Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, movie fans. This is Nikki Starr. Thank you for tuning in to our Oscar Predictions show. We want to give a big shout-out to Betty Jo, who couldn't be with us today, but is certainly here in spirit, cheering us on from home. We are so lucky to have film critics Jeff Roberts and Max Bates with us, because they both have a deep interest in the Oscars, and they really know their movie stuff. Jeff is a veteran of numerous Canadian and American radio and TV programs, where he gives detailed perspective on the Academy Awards. And Mac has written freelance articles for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and served as a staff blogger from Milwaukee Magazine's official film blog. So let's get this show on the road right now, starting with Jeff. Welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing fine, Nikki. It's uh, great to be doing the show with you and uh, Mac again. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you with us, Jeff. And the same goes for Mac Bates. Mac, thank you for agreeing to be one of our guests again today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing uh, great, and uh, I'm thrilled to be back. I had to sit out last year uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, but I'm thrilled to be taking part with uh, the uh, projection show this year with uh, you and and Jeff, and uh, thrilled that, uh, you know, it's happening. Me too. I am too. And so is Betty Jo. She wanted me to let you guys know that she is super grateful that we're doing this. All right, so we are going to start this show off with talking about the Best Actor nominee. All right? So here are the five actors in contention. Austin Butler in Elvis, Colin Farrell in The Banshees of Insurance, Brendan Fraser in The Whale, Paul Mescal in After Sun, Bill Nye in Living. Which Best Actor nominee would you like to see win and which do you think will win, Mac? This is one of those categories where it's kind of like an embarrassment of riches. You know, any of these men in any, you know, competitive year would uh, be the standout. So the fact that they're all nominated this year against, uh, you know, one another, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's almost like trying to choose your favorite child. <laughs> you <know>? uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and each of them uh, probably with the, well, with the uh, couple of exceptions of, you know, won a lot of the precursor awards like the Golden Globe. Um, I know uh, both uh, Colin and uh, Austin uh, won uh, in their respective categories. And I know, uh, you know, they've won a, a series of uh, film critic awards, particularly Brendan uh, uh, Fraser for, his uh, work in the whale. Uh, me, if I had to take a wild guess, the one I think will win will probably be Brendan Fraser for the whale, for the simple fact that he has the most compelling uh, story of the nominees, and he's been, you know, gone for quite a while now in terms of, you know, people. He hasn't really been out there working. Uh, uh, you know, uh, like he was during his uh, 90s and early 2000s heyday, and it's you know just this incredible 
comeback story where he kind of just came out of left field and like, oh yeah, Brendan Fraser. I grew up watching him in you know movies like mm-hmm. uh, Airheads and With Honors, and he was so great opposite uh, uh, Sir Ian McKellen and Lynn Redgrave and Gods and Monsters and and you know in George of the Jungle and so on and so forth. But um, I think I think he's got the inside track to uh, take it this year, and and plus the performances pretty pretty phenomenal considering um you know everything that it, the film calls upon him to do and it's a, you know it's a, it's a heartbreaking movie in 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 certain ways and i think the fact that he did unwent such a uh, uh, an immersive transformation to play the character that he plays in the film i think that is also going to you know lend lend pretty uh pretty well to him uh taking it now who do i think should win uh of the nominated performances i would love to see bill nye Win, but uh, I think I think his nomination is pretty much award enough in a lot of people's eyes, which is unfortunate mm-hmm. because he's so phenomenal in that in that film. Um, but I think that uh, the person who w- uh, I think the person who uh, should win, just based on how uh, immersive what he had to do uh, ended up becoming, even though I have some problems with the movie itself. I think Austin Butler is probably going to uh, end up taking it for Elvis because he really, you know, kind of went above and beyond uh, with his uh, his performance in that particular film. Like I said, the film itself is kind of a hot mess, but he's so spectacular. And when I was looking at it, I, I actually, you know, forgot that that was an actor playing Elvis. I, there were glimpses of him uh, in that movie that I was just completely transported. I thought it, I thought I was watch, watching the actual Elvis. So I would love for either one of those two men to win, but I think Austin's probably got the inside track. But I would definitely keep an eye on Brendan Fraser for the whale. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So are you in agreement with Mac, Jeff? I'm uh, for Brendan Fraser. His uh, performance in The Whale is heartbreaking and one that has stuck with me ever since first seeing it last December. His character Charlie is morbidly obese and inching ever closer to becoming a thousand pounds and is confined to his home requiring constant care from a nurse. Charlie is an English professor who makes his real appearance he never uh, allows for his real appearance to be seen online when he's teaching his students. He has a teenage daughter named Allie who absolutely hates him and doesn't understand how he could possibly walk out on her and have nothing to do with her and her mother uh, for decades when he walked out when she was eight years old. As she re- re-enters through a, a, uh, into his life, and uh, this film is all about uh, redemption. And I think it's a real career changer for, for Frazier and a complete 180 from the often half-baked comedies that he's known for, in addition to The Mummy uh, and and its sequels. That's who you think will win, and that's who you want to win, correct? That's who I would would want to win. I mean, Austin Butler is is great in in Elvis, but that movie is, uh, is, like Matt said, definitely a mess. Uh, It's through uh, Colonel Parker's eyes, who's played by by Tom Hanks, and uh, and it's uh, more or less Colonel Parker's story and not so much uh, Elvis's story. I'm actually surprised that it was nominated for Best Picture, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with him on that one. Yeah, I was, that, that nomination did come as a surprise. All right, well, let's move on to Best Actress nominees, all right? So the nominees are Kate Blanchett in Tar, Anna Diarmas in Blonde, Andrea Riseborough in To Leslie, 
Michelle Williams in The Fablemans, Michelle Yao in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. So, Jeff, which of these women will win, and which one do you think should win, if you have a different answer for both? Kate Blanchett. Uh, Kate Blanchett delivers a gripping performance as Lydia Tarr. She's a fictional character that is the first female conductor at the Berlin Philharmonic. Uh, she is an extremely uh, vindictive individual, and she has a student named, uh, named Krista who um, she had a, some sort of a relationship with and uh, now is going against her. She's uh, told everybody that she's uh, you know, mentally un- unstable and... Um, and it, and it comes to to a head where she has to cover up uh, emails that she's uh, received from her after uh, this person commits uh, suicide, and uh, she faces intense scrutiny and uh, accusations that could uh, later derail her career. I should point out that the Best Actress category is one of the most interesting this year in controversial categories. The controversy exists because Andrea Riseborough was nominated for her role in To Leslie, where she portrays a former lottery winner who loses it all and struggles with alcoholism and a son who wants nothing to do with her, and she's given a second chance by the manager of a motel. Now, this was an independent film with absolutely no buzz behind it that few people saw, the director of the film has powerful connections in the industry and had actors, according to Time magazine, including Susan Sarandon, Jane Fonda, Kate Winslet, and others take to social media to try and gain her the nomination of which she, she got. And uh, there were, was a big stink about it, and people wanted the Academy to rescind the, uh, the nomination, but uh, of course they didn't, and it still stands. That's interesting. All right, Mac, what's your take on this category? Who will win and who do you think should win? I think uh, who will win would be uh, Michelle Yeoh for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It's uh, nominated for 11 Academy Awards overall, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best uh, Original Screenplay. Um, There are four actors from the film represented in the acting categories. Michelle Yeoh, obviously, for Best Actress. Uh, Ki Hu Kwan for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Sue for Supporting Actress. And I really do think that based on the recent uh, pretty much clean sweep they have had of the uh, Guild Awards, with the notable exception of the Writers Guild, which hasn't presented their awards yet, I think they're presenting them tonight or tomorrow, um, it seems like the momentum is fully behind uh, A24's highest-grossing movie to date. That's the studio that released the Mm -hmm. film. Also, Michelle Yeoh has been in the industry now for 40 years. Uh, Ki-Hu Kwan recently pointed out that he... And uh, her both started their careers, uh, professional careers, acting careers in 1984. And I think she has just got that the momentum squarely behind her at this point. I think Kate Blanchett, even though she swept uh, most of the uh, precursor awards in terms of uh, critics uh, awards, and and uh, I know she won the uh, she won the Golden Globe as uh, and some other uh, in the BAFTA. And I think the uh, the Australian Academy Award, the AACTA, among others. I think it's kind of a. Uh, I think the the general buzz is you know as brilliant as she is in that film. It's kind of like she kind of treaded uh, familiar ground again because she played a woman uh, undone in Blue Jasmine about ten years ago and won uh, you know pretty much everything for that performance and deservedly so because she was brilliant in it. She's brilliant in Tar as well, but I think some people are kind of thinking that, you know, we need to kind of spread the wealth around a little bit. And if she were to win, it would be her third Academy Award 
um, in I think less than 20, actually, yeah, less than uh, 20 years. And, you know, some people like Meryl Streep, it took her, what, like 40 to achieve that aim. So I'm thinking some people mm-hmm. are, are probably of the mindset that, uh, you know, despite the brilliance of the work and, you know, the commitment that she uh, had to the material and, and you know, and, and everything that she uh, put forth, that they want to spread the love around. And the best, I think, uh, option in this category would be Michelle Yeoh because she's uh, done exemplary work over the years. She has never been nominated until now. This is like Blanchett's like seventh or eighth nomination. This is Michelle Yeoh's first. So I, mm-hmm. have no, I have no doubt that Blanchett will be back. Michelle Yeoh, there's a question mark over that because, you know, Hollywood is not uh, really known for uh, nurturing, much less um, uh, creating material and projects for uh, uh, people of color, particularly women of color. So I think that's going to mm-hmm. play a big part in, um, in people's final decision-making. And I know the Academy Awards are supposed to be a merit-based um, uh, institution, but we all know that they have oftentimes given people career achievement awards, makeup Oscars, so on and so forth. And somebody who instantly comes to mind in that vein is uh, Judy Dench, who was nominated for her brilliant performance in Mrs. Brown in 1997 in the lead actress category. It lost, you know, much to, much to a lot of people's chagrin. And then she was nominated for a eight- or nine-minute performance in Shakespeare in Love in the supporting actress category the next year. And, they, and it was um, it, it, a, lot of, a lot of people, myself included, uh, have reason that that was a makeup Oscar for them not giving it to her rightfully for Mrs. Brown. So uh, I think that Michelle Yeoh will win and certainly deserves to, but I think Kate Blanchett deserves the win, but she probably is going to have to wait uh, for her, that third Oscar. Okay. Oh, I'd love both your takes. All right. Let's go now to Best Supporting Actor, and here are the nominees. Brendan Gleeson in The Banshees of Sheeran, Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway, Jed Hirsch in The Fablemans, Barry Keown in The Banshees of Sheeran, and Ki-Hu Kwan in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. All right, you're up, Mac. What is your take on the Best Supporting Actor category? Ki-Hu Kwan, Ki-Hu Kwan, Ki-Hu Kwan. Yay! <laughs> Ki-Hu Kwan is going to win this Oscar, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. This man, talk about comeback stories. My gosh. He made his film acting debut in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom back in 1984. He was handpicked by that film's director, Steven Spielberg, who also handpicked him to play uh, uh, Data a year later in The Goonies, which was directed by the late, great Richard Donner, who was known for the Lethal Weapon film uh, franchise. Uh, uh, Steven Spielberg was an executive producer on The Goonies. And like I, I can't really think of uh, any any child actor who had a more auspicious, uh, you know, one-two debut in terms of you know one mm-hmm. blockbuster after another, and then he largely faded uh, away because the opportunities for Asian actors, particularly at that time in the late '80s and early '90s, just was not there, you know. And he went behind the scenes and and uh, learned. He went to film school. Uh, did a number of projects behind the scenes of uh, different film and TV projects, both uh, here in the United States as well as abroad. And then seeing Michelle Yeoh, his everywhere, everything, his uh, um, everything everywhere all at once uh, uh, co-star, and Crazy Rich Asians kind of lit the the uh, the uh, lit the fuse again for him in order to try to pursue acting after a 20 plus year hiatus. 
And, um, you know, it, it's, it's just a remarkable comeback story. At absolute, in, in, the man should have been working consistently this entire time. His, brilliant, his performance is brilliant. You know, he's like the, the beating uh, heart of that film. And I couldn't imagine it without him. And I was so thrilled when I saw the movie because I did not know he was in it before I saw it. I saw the film not even realizing he was in it. And I was just like, oh, that's, you know, short down. That's data. And so I'm, I'm uh-huh. rooting for him. It's, it's purely emotional at this point. I'm just like, I'm just emotionally invested in, in seeing uh-huh. this guy have the comeback of a lifetime. I know the performances in the category, particularly Barry Keoghan's in The Banshee's Ina Sheeran, is, uh, is, you know, also a, 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 a hallmark of, of a talent to watch. And, you know, in, in another year, he might have had a legitimate chance, and he still might because he won the uh, BAFTA. But, you know, just from an emotional standpoint, from a performance standpoint, from a nostalgia standpoint, because I grew up watching Ki Hu Kwan in, in uh, those two films I just uh, mentioned, uh, Temple of Doom and The Goonies, I, I would have to cast my vote for him. And, and he richly deserves it, so I think he will win. I think he should win, and dear God, let these people have him stay in film for as long as he wants and have all sorts of great opportunities. I agree. All right, Jeff, what do you think will happen in this category, and what would you like to see happen? Uh, Ki Wei Kwan, and definitely he deserves to win. Uh, one of the uh, interesting stories about him is that he actually began his career on a whim when his uh, brother was auditioning for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And he was uh, constantly trying to coach his brother from the sidelines during his audition. Uh, Spielberg and the producers uh, noticed this, and they gave him a chance to read for the part of which he ended up getting. And... Uh, and as Max said, he's been out of the uh, industry almost completely for, <clears throat> excuse me, 25 years. And uh, like you said, when Crazy Rich uh, Asians debuted to critical and box office acclaim, that re-sparked Quan's uh, in- interest in acting again. And when he learned that Everything Everywhere All at Once was being developed, he, he read for the role of Wayman Wang, and he left the audition feeling completely confident that the role fit him like a glove. At first, he was tremendously discouraged because it took several months before he heard back and was ultimately given the part. He definitely deserves to, to win for, uh, for his performance. Yeah, I, I um, am like Mac, growing up with him and invested in him, so I am rooting for him as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go to supporting actress. The nominees are Angela Bassett in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow in The Whale, Terry Condon in The Banshees of Ina Sheeran, Jamie Lee Curtis in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and Stephanie Su in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. All right, Jeff, you have a prediction and a preference in this category. Angela Bassett, and she's my uh, um, preferred person to win the uh, Oscar. Now, one of the things that struck me about Angela Bassett was how she processes grief, uh, especially surrounding the death of Chadwick Boseman, who portrayed King T'Challa in the first Black Panther film. I recently read an interview that she did with the Hollywood reporter's Esther Zuckerman, where she recounted that her drama teacher, Lloyd Richards, told her early on to use pain and anguish to craft a performance. 
in a difficult circumstance where she had actually broken up with a cast member and had to do an intimate scene with them. He told her to use it and put all of her pain and anguish into building her character. Now, it's a mantra that she has never forgotten, and she uses it to terrific effect here. Mm. All right, so, Mac, how about you? I have a hunch I might know the answer to this. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, 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 will, uh, I, I will just reiterate what I uh, said previously uh, about Kihu Kwan. Angela Bassett, Angela Bassett, Angela Bassett. For me, it's, you know, I have been a unabashed fan for 30, 30 years now. I make zero apologies for it. She is one of my all-time favorites. I absolutely adore her. Again, uh, like with the lead actor category, um, this is an embarrassment of riches. Any of these women in any given year would be the front runner. Um, I think Stephanie Sue, the nomination is her reward because she uh, was like uh, the kind of unofficial MVP of everywhere, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. I thought, you know, again, like much like much like uh, one of the actors, uh, much like Barry Keoghan from uh, the Banshees, Ina Sheeran. She is the hallmark of, of somebody who, who's a talent to watch, that the performance that she gives in, in E-E-A-L-U, whatever. Yeah, that movie, everywhere. Um, E-E-A-L-U. Yeah, thank you. E-E-A-A-O. Okay. Yeah, A-A. you know, so she's definitely a talent to watch. Yeah, I'm sorry, I got tripped up over it uh, a little bit. But, um, I, you know, I'm excited to see what she does next. Um, I think Carrie Condon has been doing work, great work, quietly for a while now, and uh, the nomination is richly deserved because she was great in the Banshees of Ina Sheeran. And I, I also I think that uh, she has a chance. I think she would be a potential a spoiler here. But, um, again, I think the nomination will pretty much be, you know, it in terms of uh, – but I think we will definitely see her back in the mix again, same thing with Stephanie. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis has been a veteran uh, of Hollywood now for over 40 years. It's insane that she has just now gotten her first Oscar nomination. The woman mm-hmm. should be uh, at Oscar nomination four, five, or six by this point. You know, she could have been nominated for any number of projects uh, that she's been a part of. True Lies instantly comes to mind. Um, Trading Places would have been, uh, you know, an inspired call, as uh, as well as Freaky Friday, which I thought, you know, she took she took this uh, this film that people had no expectations of and just completely elevated it to a place where she, uh, her work is just consistently good. Even if the movie doesn't live up to her, she always you know rises to the occasion. And Angela, she also should have had, you know, she should be on nomination four, five, or six by now as well. And the fact that it took her 29 years is kind of, you know, insane when you think about it. But that performance that she gives in the movie, she laid the groundwork for it in the first Black Panther film. It's, 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 it's you know, I, when you think of people who play royalty on screen, you know, that takes a great deal of gravitas, that takes a great deal of skill, that takes a great deal of charisma. Because I've seen people play royalty who didn't really register, and I've seen other people who have not only registered, but, you know, you, you remember just how brilliant they were. People like a Helen Mirren, people like a Judy Dench, people like a Sir mm-hmm. Ian McKellen, people like a Sir Patrick Stewart, and on and on and on. And they're normally uh, British actors. And here's an instance where here is a, a black woman in her 60s playing an African queen. When have you ever seen that in a Hollywood movie before? Ever, so right. just from that perspective alone, and the fact that she was so 
you know, regal and brilliant and, and, and just really anchored this, this Marvel action film and, and, and just this beautiful, organic, just uh, mesmerizing way. You know, she, she's got my vote across the board, and I, and I sincerely hope that uh, she gets it because she definitely deserves it for this performance and, and you know, for uh, – and yeah. And I just uh, – that so my, my vote would go for uh, Angela. And if she wins, she'll be the first uh, black woman uh, in her age bracket to have won an Academy Award, to the best of my knowledge. I think everyone else who's won has been in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. So she'll be the first 60-plus-year-old black woman. And she certainly doesn't look it, but – you know, she'll achieve history uh, in that regard, as well as having, um, you know, one for playing a, a, a royal character mm-hmm. in a cinematic uh, Marvel film. So it's a comic book uh, adaptation. Well, I am certainly rooting for her as well. <laughs> All right, so let's go to my favorite nominee, or this is my favorite category, which is Best Picture. So these are the nominees. All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar, The Way of the Water, The Banshees of Ina Sheeran, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. So we're going to start with Matt. All right, so why don't you get us started by sharing your predictions about which movie will win Best Picture this year and which movie you would like to see win. Ooh, now, again, uh, this is an interesting list. There are some movies that definitely deserve to be here. There are a couple that are kind of head-scratchers <laughs> in why they're exactly here. And there are some, also some pretty interesting choices where you weren't expecting them necessarily to, to register, but they did, and it's, you know, it's, a, good, it's a good sight to see. Um, as for the movie that I think should win, I am going to go with Everywhere... Everything, everywhere, all at once. I keep, yeah, inverting those words. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I believe has the uh, the momentum behind it uh, is uh, you know a, a game changer in terms of genre, in terms of representation. It's just one of those films that literally came out of nowhere. It debuted at the uh, South by Southwest Film Festival in uh, March or April of uh, last year, and took that festival by storm, and then came out. It kind of had a quiet release, uh, but then it just kept getting gaining word of mouth, and people were just raving about it, and, and it ended up subsequently becoming A24's uh, highest-grossing movie to date. And everything about that film is just registering with people in a way that I haven't seen in quite a while, and it seems like even people who weren't necessarily blown away by it, even even they had to give it props in, in terms of visuals, in terms of performances, in terms of genre bending and, and, and just execution, even if they, you know, were left, you know, uh, unimpressed at, you know, it, by the entire product as a whole. But uh, there's, there's still something to be, uh, still something to be admired about it. So I think that will win. Now, what do I think should win? Uh, just, you know, from a personal standpoint, I think Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans is the movie that I had the closest um, uh, connection to, and it's about his love of cinema. And, and you know, I share, you know, a, a similar love of cinema. So that movie spoke to me in a way that none of the other ones really did, and most of them are exceptional films. 
there, like I said, there are a couple of questionable choices in the mix, and we mentioned mm-hmm. one earlier. But I think uh, the Fableman's just, just you know, as a coming of age story, as a as a cinematic love letter to to a film, as a childhood remembrance. It's 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 the perfect film, and I think of the of the films nominated, it's probably the safest choice. But in terms of artistic uh, artistic um, integrity and artistic uh, um, um, expression, it's the one that I just really was surprised by in terms of just how moved I was by it and how uh, I was able to relate to a person who, you know, conventional wisdom wouldn't necessarily have me relating to. But we had this mutual love and appreciation for cinema, so, uh, and that, that, that crosses geographic boundaries, um, uh, mindsets, uh, race, religion, you name it. So uh, I think everywhere, everything all at once will win, but my choice for which film should win would be The Fablemans, that I would be happy if either either film uh, took it. But also definitely keep an eye out for Top Gun Maverick. That's a controversial sort of, you know, uh, choice in, because uh, it, it really wasn't nominated for all that many uh, other awards, uh, uh, you know, other than technical stuff. But it was the highest grossy film of last year. A lot of people liked it. I was pleasantly surprised by it because I thought they waited way too long to make a sequel to the, uh, the original film from 1986. And I'm thinking, how is this going to be? This is either going to be really, really good or really, really bad. And it's really, really good. And uh, say what you will about Tom Cruise and kind of his, you know, controversial viewpoints on certain things. The man knows how to make really good movies, and when they click, they really click. And um, I, I think I think it's definitely something to keep in mind as a possible spoiler that uh, Top Gun Maverick mm-hmm. could possibly kind of come, you know, out of left field and take it. But uh, if I'm putting, you know, putting my best down everywhere, everything all at once, and for should win, and I mean will win rather, and um, the uh, Fableman should win. All right. So do you agree with Mac, Jeff? Um, Picking everything everywhere all at once uh, has garnered the most Oscar nominations this year with 11 in total and has long been considered considered the front runner. uh, And uh, it recently won the Screen Actors Guild Awards for Best Cast in a Motion Picture. Uh, Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis and Ki Wei Kwan won their performances at the Screen Actors Skills Awards, and that's usually a precursor of how the Academy members are actually going to be casting their votes in those categories and for Best Picture. Everything Everywhere All at Once has racked up a grand total of 321 wins out of 369 nominations and other awards ceremonies this year. Wow. Uh, It would be quite an upset, upset if another film wound up winning for Best Picture. If I had my choice, uh, I would definitely pick uh, The Fablemans for the uh, same uh, reasons that uh, Mac uh, just outlined. And, you know, the interesting thing about uh, the, the stats you just gave for uh, everywhere, every, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, um, nobody, nobody saw this coming. Absolutely nobody saw that coming, that this little movie – that they filmed in 2020, right before uh, COVID hit our shores and just shut everything down, with in Simi Valley of, of all places, you would you, you would have never thought that this you know, genre bending sci-fi a film with a largely Asian cast would would really register the way it has. So I I'll tell you this: I saw the movie about I I cannot even explain 
explain the impact it had on me. I, I don't really have words for it. All I know is that it blew me away. I recommended it to everybody. I can't even explain it to them to get them to watch it, but beg them to watch it. <laughs> and out of the 10 people that I've gotten to watch it, it's been about 50-50 where 50% of it, everybody said it was fine. 50% of the people were like me that were like, oh, my God, it was life-changing. And then 50% were, it was good. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I I just, I can't even explain it. Like, my my brain thinks like it was like that movie. Like, that's how my brain thinks. And so for me, it was just amazing. It was amazing. So You, you know, <laughs> that really movie is really it. about the power of posit- positivity. Think about it. Yeah. A lot of movies are very negative. A lot of people have, you know, uh, they, they kind of market in negativity. And here's a movie that is about the power of what it means to be a positive-minded, a positive, uh, uh, you know, forwarding person. Like, you know, not only mm-hmm. not only is it about positivity, it's about passing it forward. Like, you know, just uh, just think about that ah. for a minute. You really don't see that often in, in film, much less TV. It's all about, you know, well, not all about, but it's primarily about the uh, the opposite end of that spectrum, <laughs> which, you know, we all experience a little too much from time to time. But this here's a movie that was like a beacon. Like, you know, it's good to be, it's good to be okay. It's good to be good. It's good to be nice. <laughs> you know, good yes. to be, you know, a, a, a decent human being, you know. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. All right, so we're going to finish up this part of it with the best directors now, okay? And so we're limited to five nominees, which are? The Banshees of Ina Sheeran, Martin McDonough, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, The Fablemans, Steven Spielberg, Parr, Todd Field, and Triangle of Sadness by Ruben Oslin. So which director nominee would you like to see win, and which do you predict to win, Jeff? Uh, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. It's a semi-autobiographical uh, film, like we mentioned earlier, and it's one that uh, Steven Spielberg has wanted to tell on film since he was 17 years old. In his recent Golden Globes acceptance speech, he stated that he's been hiding from this story and and uh, trying to tell it for decades and didn't have the courage to tell it up to now. He put a lot of obstacles in front of the story and states that he had told bits and pieces of it in films like E.T. and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It wasn't until he was working on Munich with Tony Kushner that he thought of telling it. Kushner insisted that Spielberg tell him all the stories that he had heard about the director. And it wasn't until 2020 that Spielberg finally sat down and began to write the story after not knowing during the pandemic when and if artists would ever get to tell stories again. The film is absolutely brilliant and his love letter to filmmaking. It's mind-boggling to me that Gabriel LaBelle, who portrays Sammy Fableman, a fictionalized version of Spielberg, wasn't nominated for an Oscar himself. Mm. All right, Mac. What is your prediction and preference in this category? Well, I think I think the Daniels have it pretty much sewed up at this point. Uh, yeah, I think you know it's just a it's it's just gonna be a smooth <laughs> you know sweep for them <laughs> in terms of uh, directing uh, plaudits. And you know, rightfully so, they 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 took uh, this original idea and just made a a really unique, beautiful uh, movie that has just taken the uh, zeitgeist by storm. And, and, and it's been very much on people's uh, minds and in the, the forefront of, uh, of the conversation for almost a year now. So I, 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 I don't think that they're going to really run into the uh, pit stops along the way. I think, I think they're pretty much going to take it. And it would be the first time 
that a directing duo has won the Academy Award for Best Director. So I think, you know, setting that sort of history, I, I can't help but think that that, uh, that would uh, be a motivating uh, factor for certain people to vote for him. And plus, they made a, a truly breathtakingly inventive, original uh, movie that, that uh, people are, you know, talking about in, in, in gl- you know, glowing uh, ways and, you know, and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's deserved. But now, who I would personally vote for, I had to agree with yeah. Jeff. It would be uh, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. It, he took, uh, you know, he took he took his life story, and 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 put it put it into cinematic terms. You know, the screenplay is fantastic. Uh, his direction is, uh, you know, stupendous as as we have come to expect from him. But he found interesting reserves that we haven't seen from him in a while in this movie. And the performances across the board, uh, particularly Michelle Williams, you know, it, it, it breathtaking. Uh, Judd Hirsch, uh, look at what he did with, with uh, you know, a, a fraction of screen time, and he managed to get a supporting actor nomination, the first of his career. Oh, no, actually, no, he was nominated for, um, my bad, he was nominated for uh, Ordinary People, but that, that was his only mm-hmm. previous nomination. And here he is, you know, 40, a little over 40 years later, 41 years later, getting his second uh, nod. And it, it's, 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 it's about the, the, the power of, of uh, imagination. It's about the, um, the pull of, of cinema. It's about some, some guy who became one of the most celebrated filmmakers in the history of the world. Really, it's his, it's his love letter to uh, uh, cinema. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty irresistible combination. So that's who, if I was a voting member of the Academy, as much as I loved E E A A O, I would I would uh, I would have to uh, cast my vote for Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans for director and and picture. All right, so I do have some questions um, mm-hmm. to add at the end, if you don't mind. So, out of the categories above, were there did you have any different pictures that you think should have been nominated, or different actors that should have been nominated that weren't? I'll start with you, Jeff. Well, actually, I wanted to touch on the uh, the directing category for a moment. Uh, oh, yeah. For women sure. uh, Talking is nominated for Best Picture, but its director, Sarah Pauly, was shut out of the uh, Best uh, Director category. And often you need director and Best Picture to go in tandem to, to win. Um, I think she should have been nominated for, for Women Talking. It's a really important film about uh, women in a Mennonite uh, colony who have been raped and tortured by, by men as well as drugged. And the men are on trial, and they're not with the women at the start of the picture. And they've got um, the decision to, to stay where they are, stay and fight, or flee. And it's a really terrific uh, story. And Sarah Pauly... Uh, uh, has a nomination for the uh, adapted uh, screenplay, and I think that she uh, should have uh, been nominated for for best director as well. But it's uh, it's all men that are, have been nominated, uh, like usual. Mhm. Yeah. What about you, Mac? Oh, we mean about uh, best picture, or just like anything in general? Or just any of the categories that you think that any of the movies or actors were left out that you would have liked to see. You know, oh yes, um, I would have loved to have seen Till uh, be recognized in some way, uh, either for Daniel Deadweiler's uh, sensational performances, maybe Till Mobley, 
or uh, Chinoe Chukwo's uh, script or her direction in the film itself for a best picture that would have been tremendous because I think I think what happened there was a lot of movie a lot of people in the academy didn't even bother to watch it because they were expecting one thing and it's something completely different and ultimately that's their loss. I would have loved to have seen Viola Davis uh, be in contention for Woman King, the Woman King, either for uh, her uh, performance or as a nominee uh, for Best Picture because she was one of the uh, producers on that film along with her husband and I think three or four other people. That would have been tremendous had she uh, gotten, uh, you know, traction in either category. I would have also uh, loved to have seen. Um, a better showing for Tar. I think Nina Hoff uh, would have been a strong uh, supporting actress nominee because I think her performance at Cape Blanchett's are kind of in tandem in that movie, so it would have been great to see her get uh, some recognition. And um, if we have time, I would love to touch base on the uh, Best Actress uh, category in, in uh, connection to Andrea Reesboro's, uh nomination for To Leslie. We do have time. Oh, great, great. Uh, the thing I want to say about that is I know um, uh, Jeff, he touched uh, based on this uh, earlier when we were speaking about the uh, Best Actress category. Uh, people have made uh, mention of her surprise nomination for that particular film, a little scene movie, uh, you know, kind of came out of nowhere based on a social media uh, a push by uh, a fellow uh, actors, uh, some of whom he mentioned, uh, Francis Fisher was also kind of instrumental in that, along with uh, screenings uh, at different uh, uh, venues by people like Jennifer Anderson. So she had a lot of push uh, and a lot of influential uh, voices, uh, you know, helping to facilitate that nomination. But what I haven't really heard anybody talk about is that this is hardly the first time this, this, this sort of nomination, surprise nomination has happened. There are two instances that instantly come to mind. Back in 1987 uh, uh, to 88, uh, Sally Kirkland had a uh, kind of self-done campaign uh, where she was uh, uh, lobbying to be nominated for Best Actress for this little no-budget movie that she made called Anna. And she ended up winning the Golden Globe at the time, which was really one of the few precursors to the Academy Awards at that uh, time. And then she ended up landing an Oscar nomination for Best Actress, uh, Cher, ended up winning that year for uh, Moonstruck. But a lot of actors at that time, like Robert De Niro, Marlon Brando, uh, Al Pacino, and, and on and on, some heavy hitters, you know, previous Oscar uh, nominees and Oscar winners themselves, threw a lot of support and weight behind her, and they managed to, you know, help her get that Golden Globe recognition, that, that nomination, and then that eventual win for uh, Best Actress in a Motion Picture Drama. And then they kind of, you know, carried her, uh, into the Academy Awards as a Best Actress nominee because the studio that uh, acquired that film it was, a, like I said, it was a no-budget film that uh, was uh, acquired by a small, uh, a small boutique uh, production company that released it. They did have the money to mount a proper campaign, so she, you know, hit the ground running and reached out to uh, people that she knew and and people who were uh, fans of her work, and they made it happen. And then three years later, in uh, 1990 into 1991, Diane Ladd, uh, Laura Dern's mother, uh, she mounted a campaign for herself for Best Supporting Actress for the David Lynch movie Wild at Heart. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the rub of that was the studio behind that particular film had the budget to push her 
for a, a awards consideration. It chose not to. One of the one of the biggest mind bending, you know, just like what, what were they thinking uh, decisions mm-hmm. of of all time? Because she was fantastic in that very odd indie <laughs> movie, and she they should have they should have pushed her because you know she she proved that she she had uh, she had you know the uh, the golden touch and managed to land herself a surprise Oscar nomination with uh, you know the help of a, a, a influential. Uh, uh, Hollywood pals of hers again. Robert De Niro entered the into the mix, and uh, I know there were some other actors as well, but they they elude me at the moment. But there were a lot of heavy hitters at that time, including De Niro, who said, "Yeah, you know, give this movie a shot. You know, look look at it and, and see see this phenomenal work that Diane does in the film." And so uh, um, Andrea uh, Andrea Reesboro's nomination for this particular film. Uh, you know, it, it, it benefited from a, a very similar push, but the only difference between her push and the push that uh, Sally Kirkland and Diane Ladd after her uh, uh, did was uh, they, they didn't have the social media component. It was all, you know, uh, hitting the streets, word of mouth, getting, getting you know, their, uh, getting their film seen, you know, completely uh, without the, the aid or assistance of social media. So that's the only mm-hmm. difference in this it's this social media played a huge role in it, whereas, you know, uh thirty thirty three and thirty six years ago, it was literally word of mouth and them, you know, uh hitting the award circuit and, and, and talking up their, their work and talking up their films. Do you have anything to add about that, Jeff? Uh no, um those were good points. I, I didn't have anything uh more to add. Uh, we've we've touched on on a lot. Okay, so are there any other categories that either of you want to predict a winner for that we didn't cover? Oh, what about uh, what about the screenplay categories? Yeah, I don't have the list, so you'll have to. Okay. Oh, I will of... have that yeah. for you in one second. Look at how great you are. <laughs> oh, I actually have it in front of me. The original screenplay, The Banshees of Inisherin, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans. Car and Triangle of Sadness. Oh, what, what do you think is going to win? I'm uh, definitely uh, for the Fablemans. Uh, yes. Steven Spielberg's screenplay, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would. I would concur. But definitely, I think that um, you know the, the the film of the moment, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, is uh, the one to watch. But I think the Fablemans could could be uh, a, uh, a a surprise uh, win because that that might be the only category where, where that film could conceivably get uh, some recognition this year. Right, and that would be a shame. Mm-hmm. It's a terrific film. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that I feel like this next question, is there a sure thing bet for an Oscar this year, probably goes to everything, everywhere, all at once. I don't know if you guys agree, but I feel like that's probably the right answer to that. Oh, you mean for for uh, any category or best picture? For I think she meant the original the screenplay. Hmm? Oh, no, what Nikki was meaning, but... You mean for best picture right. or no, for I another category? For, yeah, the sure thing bet for an Oscar this year for like just every category they're in. Oh yes, yes. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> Sorry, right. Yeah, yes. No, I, I think. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah. Uh, Kwan, I think it's pretty much a lock for supporting actor. I think that's the only category where you can pretty much say, "Oh yeah, I, like, I know exactly," you know how that's going to go. And I, I believe mm-hmm. I believe that he's pretty much the the one sure thing. 
as and you know particularly that for that film. Sure. What about you, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree that uh, Kiwi Kwan uh, is uh, uh, is a sure thing for for his uh, nomination. All right. Well, do you have anything else to add, Mac, before we wrap everything up? Oh, well, I'm excited about the 95th Academy Awards. Uh, you know, I've been watching them every year since 1989. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's, it's uh, one of those things I look forward to every single year. In, uh, in recent years, I've participated in this uh, Oscar prediction show for Movie Attic Headquarters, which has been a thrill uh, every single time I've gotten a chance to do it. You know, it's always a good excuse to be able to watch uh, uh, films from the previous year that you didn't quite get a chance to see you know, in, in order to prep for this. And I just want to, you know, extend my uh, thanks and heartfelt gratitude to Betty Jo Tucker for always being so great and gracious and, and so inviting and so welcoming and, and to you as well as Nikki, uh, you know, for uh, just being, you know, just cool people. And Jeff, you know, thank you so much for, uh, you know, being a great uh, uh, co, co-guest on, on these shows. And I certainly look forward to doing it again and uh no. you know uh go you know uh, go go uh go films go oscars <laughs> all right thank you so much and jeff do you have anything else to add i guess i just wanted to thank uh, betty joe tucker again for the uh, opportunity it's uh, been she's been a wonderful mentor to me for the past uh, 18 years and uh i'm a, a film critic uh because of her uh, everything that i've been able to achieve when it goes to towards uh, film criticism has uh, been because of her, her involvement uh, in my career. And I'm also looking forward to, to seeing the uh, Oscar telecast next Sunday just to see if there is a, a spoiler for, for Best Picture and if the Fablemans or, or something else uh, uh, might be able to take Best Picture away from everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. Well... We'll watch it next week. And I would just like to add my own love and thankfulness to Betty Jo. I have been doing this show with her for so many years. And we have had so many wonderful guests, including the two of you. And it has just been my joy to be on the show with her and with both of you. So I just want to say thank you very much for being terrific guests today. And remember, no, the Oscars you. will be given out. Thank you. Yeah, the Oscars will be given out Sunday, March 12, 2023. And I'd like to give a big thanks to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support as well, and to all of our listeners, and to Nancy Lombardo and Angela Drake Perry for supporting our show on their own radio shows. Nancy's a hilarious host of What's the Buzz right here on Blog Talk Radio every Monday and Friday morning at 1030 Eastern Standard Time, and Angela is the host over at 502 Fallen Angel Radio. And remember, the Oscars will be given out on Sunday, March 12th. Thank you for everything, and I hope everybody tunes in. And remember, movies are forever.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.